Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again, as Mr. William Randolph joins us to chat about all things saunas and ice baths and their impressive health benefits. From all heat Lakota sweat lodges, for cleansing, purification, and visits with the spirits, to modern saunas, both traditional and infrared, that will become your happy hot place. It's all about the heat. So let's crank it up to 180 and get sweaty. And don't forget to hydrate. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, Batten down the hatches and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. All right, here we go. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast. Another gorgeous day in Ojai, late into the summer season for us, but delightful dappled sunlight covers Daniele Bellelli and his manly beard, fresh back from the South Dakota Black Hills. Yes, indeed. Welcome back. It was a good trip. It was definitely a good trip. I had a blast. But now that you're home. You'll be able to roast yourself in your fantastic sauna. Over yes, there. some people argue that the sauna is when for when it's cold outside. I you think say that nay. like when it's hundred degrees and you go into a hundred eighty, then you come out of the sauna and you're like, hey, this ah. is easy. This is not bad. <laughs> so <laughs> there may be a whole season purpose for the sauna. But yeah, we're gonna be chatting about sweating and saunas and heat and health and all of that coming up real soon. Excellent. Before we do that, let's say thank you to shoredesigntshirts.com. Speaking of. Speaking of. The new ones are awesome. Yes. For those of you who got in, ha-ha. Yeah, we only did pre-orders pretty much. We only had 100 shirts. Most of them are gone already, but we did a kind of Taoist, a feathery Taoist symbol. Pretty cool. A combination of uh, Taoism with a Native American twist. Perfect combo, especially for just getting back. Yep, that's a sweet one. We say thank you to grasslandbeef.com. I just placed an order. There will be some goodies for you next time you're here. So if you're thinking of heading to the grocery store, take a quick look at Grassland Beef first. See if they have what you want because their quality is amazing. Also, thank you to Zebra Athletics for providing the mats that make up my home dojo. That's great. And as usual, thank you to the folks keeping the drunk into the drunken Taoist. We have Aum Winery, a, actually Aum Cellars is A-U-M, and then also MateraWines.com. Mm. Uh, having said all that, well, of course, we got to say thank you to the sweet folks donating to us. Absolutely. Which is such a beautiful thing. And because we haven't done it in a while, we have a good list. So here we go. Let the pottering begin. We have Diane Lynch, Jim D'Amico, Samuele Rudelli, Edward Feldman, Froggy Style Productions, Steve Rados, Andre Garapetian, Lane Raper, Yanni Linnima, Luis Peschera, Jesse Rantakanga, Saron Weisner, Clayton Payne, Austin Stilwell, Juan Gabriel, 
Juan Gabriel, I do well with your first name. I have no idea about. I'm guessing Sagastume. Wow. Ah, fuck. I'm sorry, man. That's a bad one. And I should do well because we're from Spanish to Italian. It should be an easy one. But <laughs> no, I sound awful on this one. Sorry. Christopher Parcel, Stephen McKee, Jonathan Waterloo, Bradley John Eaglefeather, Nick Zunik, Lisa Robles, Gregory Richmond, Aistis Juska, John Vergara, Thomas Robinson, Nicola Toni, Frederick Hahn, Ross Cranham. You guys are fantastic. Unbelievably fantastic. Thank you so much. That was a fantastic, by the way. I have a list here of fantastic replacements. Oh, I have to also get whipped by the time every time I use the That was the only word the first one, so that was for okay. today. I but think uh, it was the I second. have a list of 120 different Synonyms. synonyms word. And um, why don't we go with monumental? Mon- monumental doesn't work here. You guys are monumental. That doesn't fly. Sensational? Sensational is all right. We can do that. Extraordinary? Yes, yes. You got some crazy ones too. There's a word that I didn't even even know was a word that came back from back in the um, bonanza days. Um, bonzo. What the hell? It's like a bonanza. Like, it's like that was a word for awesomeness. Okay, that's that's way weird. back in the day. Yeah, I'm not using that one. Bonzer? You're not going with that? No. Y'all are bonzer. They're all bonzer. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> All right, well, we'll save some others. We got plenty, so. But, but that was only one fantastic so far, in, in, in an I hour and a half. That's pretty. the second, so we'll see. But, uh, well, I still have time. Let's see if I can sneak <laughs> in some more. If you want to join this band of heroes, use <laughs> paypal.me forward slash dbolelli. Paypal.me uh, forward slash the letter D, B-O-L-E-L-L-I. Or you can always use our Amazon link at dbamazing.com. Whatever you want to buy, go through our link on Amazon, and it helps us a whole bunch. Quick mention for keepit.org. Keep on keeping on, everybody. It's incredible. It continues to grow donations for people. Not donations, loans to people you don't even know. Helping strangers out. You get the money back, loan it again. Y'all been doing it for a long time, and we're going to break $200,000 within a year. Unbelievable and appreciated. Just very much so. Yeah. I don't know. I'd brag on you all day. I love it. I would say it's fun. Nothing. I'm just going to say it's good. (laughs) Groovy, man. (laughs) Off to the sauna. Let's roll. So one of the things that we're going to be chatting about today is uh, saunas. But specifically, what interests me is, and we do mention it in the course of the conversation at one point briefly, is how throughout the globe, radically different cultures have figured out the idea of getting into a somewhat small space, heating it up a whole lot, sweating like crazy, and feeling that that particular activity is really good for them. Yeah, well, it must definitely feel good or they wouldn't climb in there and do it for any reason. Right, so. which is interesting, though, because it does feel good, but it's also challenging. You know, it's like when you heat yourself at, like, really high temperatures, some of it feels good. Some of it is also, like, intense. It's yeah. like it kicks your ass. So it's interesting how, despite the ass-kicking factor that, you know, you don't think of it as the most comfortable thing in the world going in 180, 200 degrees uh, heat. No. <laughs> And yet, so many people across the globe have figured there's something to it that makes it worth it. 
Yeah, and going back deep into history, I'm sure. I mean, people have been pouring water on hot rocks for some time, I'm certain. Yep. And that must have been the first because you couldn't have a fire inside there. So they had to, some poor asshole had to bring the hot rocks in <laughs> yep. and the water. Yeah. Get out. Definitely. You need to use the right rocks because if you use the rocks that are they'll not volcanic, they crack and explode, which is not a good idea. <laughs> in enclosed. So you need the volcanic ones that can take the heat. I think I've only been in ones that had the rocks. And those are being, you know, source heated in the thing because it's the modern times. But still, there's just something just about the steam pouring off of there. It's just lovely. And there's something to it because, like, physically, what it is is like the process of sweating is a really healthy one. Yeah. Is, uh, I've always read very confusing and contradictory arguments about the science, about you are getting rid of toxins. No, you're not. Yes, you are. All this stuff. It feels good. So I don't know what the actual evidence is, but I would bet to say that there's something to it because there have been so many cases, anecdotally granted you, but when somebody has a cold and they sweat a bunch and suddenly they feel better. Mm -hmm. Or it's kind of like the natural way in which the body tries to cook bacteria. Like you get a fever because your body's trying to cook stuff that's they don't want in there. And to get rid of it, it opens those pores up and lets it out. Exactly. It's got to be helpful to so do it that. Seems I can't imagine to be, that it wouldn't. Right. It seems to be straightforward, but so physically, sweating feels really good. Yeah. And of course, there's a limit. You know, you cannot dehydrate yourself past a certain point without getting major headaches where it's bad for So you want to make sure you stay hydrated, you drink a lot. But that process of sweating to the point where it's not more like that oily sweat. You're sweating. Essentially, there are buckets of water coming out of your body pretty much. Yep. And it's fine to me how some people have done it in a way that's primarily a health activity. You know, the way saunas are run today, is, it's a health activity, right? It can be a social activity, but it's done for health. If you look at, like, Native American traditions... There is a health aspect, but there's also a strongly spiritual aspect to it. How the sweat lodge is not just, uh, oh, you hit yourself and you feel better. It's like, and I think there's a clear connection. If somebody figured it out practically, like they did it, and like, oh, I actually feel good. Why separate the physical from the spiritual? So why should it be just, oh, I feel good? It's like, I feel good is that I feel good. James Brown would agree. Uh, it's a <laughs> right it's a 360 degree thing right it's like why should like what does it even mean to say spiritual otherwise like there is a connection between your state of mind your body your attitude about life your all those things so it's kind of like you know if you find something that you really enjoy to do for working out and when you work out, sometimes you walk in. I mean, I can count so many times going into a training session where I'm just like, am I going to make it in time before I murder somebody or not? And then you start and you're like, hey, what's up? And you just you need to start working out and you start and 20 minutes in, you're like. I'm so hey, glad I came. How are you doing now? You know, and suddenly <laughs> you can talk like a human being because. Just that extra tension, stress, it, it boils it out through sweat and activity. Did the sweat lodges, do they enjoy any sort of fungal assistance in those things? Uh -uh. Or it was just Usually the heat? just the heat. It's uh, the way the Lakota, and again, if you look at the uh, indigenous people of North, Central, and South America, you find it, I don't want to say everywhere, but pretty close. You find it in so many different cultures. 
So everybody has their own thing, right? I'm going to be more talking about Lakota sweat lodges. But again, the principle applies to a lot of places. It's really primarily seen as it can be a ceremony on its own, but it can also be a ceremony as preparation before other ceremonies. Mm. So you, it's kind of seen as a, a purification. It's a cleansing. It's yeah, a purification. Yeah. It's like it gets you ready to be in a state of mind for either going about your day or going about the next ceremony that this was just preparation for. Well, it can't possibly hurt to have all those cellular level glands and pumps just working their magic and yep. cleaning the pipes out. Yeah, I mean, some of these guys are hardcore. Like, people go on a vision quest for four days, and before they sweat, and when they come back, they sweat before anything else. Wow. And I'm sure they sweat briefly. I'm sure they don't do a monster sweat that dehydrate you. But it's seen as like, hey, you need, it's like a decompression chamber. There's daily life. There's this ritual space. There's this other thing you're going to do that's even more intense. So you go in and go out of that space through the sweat lodge. And, um, and I find it, I mean, the times when I did sweat lodges, I found it really powerful. I don't know exactly what the temperature is, how high or not it gets, because, again, you're not running a sauna with a thermometer. You know, it's here in a different space. And I'm sure the temperature is not as brutal as uh, as some of the saunas I've been in, because there's no way. Like, I remember being in a sweat lodge sometime for two hours. There's no way you that last two hours at 220. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you die. Speaking of you die, I've seen people who... This is when the rare case, you know when the debate about cultural appropriation tends to be bullshit 90% of the time? Yeah. And I strongly feel that it's a bullshit argument a lot, but on rare occasion, it actually is on spot. And uh, I don't know if you remember years back, there was some guy in Arizona who decided, I'm my own shaman. I'm going to run sweat lodges because nobody taught you, nobody, but you know, you are, why not? I'll take it it from that pretty much. This would be great. And he started running sweat lodges, clearly way too hot. And he actually killed several people who were in the lodge because wow. he was like, no, we are warriors. We're going to stay in it, stay longer. And several people had a heart attack and died because he pushed them too hard. So I think after the first heart attack, everybody else would have been like. Right. <laughs> so I think <laughs> there's something to too. be said about knowing what you're doing and yeah. not being a dumbass on that. And that's why, especially if you do something like, you know, if you do a sauna, that's different. There's a different tradition attached to it. That's, But people who run sweat lodges, you really want to know what you're doing. You really want to have been taught by people who run sweat lodges who trust you that you are a decent person to run them well and all of that. Will you be enjoying one when you go north? I don't know. Because, yeah, I'm about, as we record this, I'm about to head out to South Dakota, to the Black Hills. Um, not sure. I'll, uh, I will visit some people on the Yankton Reservation. Not sure if they plan on having a sweat or not. But is that something where they just invite you in at the moment, or is it planned? I mean, you can plan it, or oh, it can, can be kind of either. I've seen a lot of sweat lodges group tend to have like their sweat once a week. Uh, one of my favorite Native American books, The Dull Nice of Pine Ridge, which is a fantastic book. I cannot recommend it enough. They are talking about how they had their sweat in the backyard and they go every day. They would have, a, I don't know again how long, but they would have a sweat lodge ceremony every single day. It sounds like a lot of wood after a while. You're right. <laughs> that is, uh, at the same time, South Dakota winters, I think it, no, it helps keep you. You just keep the fires burning anyway. And some of these guys, you kind of see how it is. You know, you like their neighbor. Uh, there's a fun, 
the story about their neighbor is brilliant. There's a guy that I mentioned a lot because he's a key character in the when I did the Wounded Knee series for History on Fire. Uh-huh. Uh, Dewey Beard. He's um, the tale is that one day they are the members of the Dull Knight family. They are all huddled up around the stove, uh, and everybody's cold like. It's so cold that just they are all trying to hug the stove for warmth because it's a <laughs> it's 30 brutal below South Dakota winter. Yeah, I can imagine. And somebody knocks at the door. And nobody wants to get up, so to move away from the stove. So one finally does. And these are tough people, you know, people who are used to pretty extreme weather. And, and he goes open, and there's their neighbor who's 90 years old who just arrived riding a few miles on horseback. Naked. And as... A little, uh, like, back-hide vest, oh. and that's it. And It's not that cold. And out they are me. all looking at him like, how the hell do you... <laughs> and in fact, he was saying, you know, he was born back in the TP days. He's built differently from all of us. You know, it does yeah. not feel cold <laughs> the way the rest of us do. Air conditioning. And and you see some of these guys living until 90 plus, and I'm like, huh, maybe the once-a-day uh, sweat lodge played a role could be that it was helpful but like i really love like the idea of the sweat lodge i just like it so much going into a somewhat enclosed space unlike a sauna sweat lodges are dark there's no light in it and you close the flap you start pouring water over the rocks the steam rises the heat kicks in there are songs that go with the sweat lodge lakota songs that in my in my weird version of it, when I have a sauna in the backyard, if I'm alone, I'm just singing my Lakota songs. Know, and, being, and I'm in that space, right? And it's, uh, I don't know, man, it's like there's something about the power of rituals, which, you know, I've seen, like, growing up in Western cultures, I've seen a lot of, like, the kind of rituals that is, like, your grandma church rituals or whatever the hell. They never spoke to me. I never felt anything. Like, it seemed like you're going through a traditional practice for the sake of doing it, but it doesn't feel like anything. Uh, well, it's because it's no way connected to nature? Probably. It's to just, your body. Yeah. To things that, to me, are essential. That To me, a powerful ritual is about that. Yeah. Is, uh, speaking of which, it's funny. I should, I should publish it somewhere. There was an extra chapter of Create Your Own Religion that was all about rituals. I never made it into the book. Bonus chapter? But yeah, maybe I'll put it up somewhere. That should be fun. First, you get yourself an acoustic guitar and about 12 <laughs> semi-hot girls that are desperate. That's the And mad- let the rituals begin. That's the Muddy Waters ritual, yeah. right? <laughs> the, no, I, it's crazy how some rituals. And again, if you have never been around powerful rituals, it's amazing how they work. It's like... The impact that they can have to to help you push the reset button, to help you get to a place where you are you feel back to being yourself, to get rid of all the bullshit, all the distraction, all the things. Some people can do it through meditating, and that's their ritual. I find I've always found Lakota rituals powerful because they all involve the body to one degree or another, and like tapping your inner chemistry they all involve like some basic elements of life water heat sun uh all things that are i don't know man i just uh i cannot speak highly enough of the idea of having a practice that you can uh, that is so unfamiliar to me having grown up the way i grew up it well was that's exactly what i was gonna say them. we don't have any 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 circumstance that 
matches that in our going to get drunk at the mall and driving around on friday night yeah 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 i I think that's why people who are like obsessed with things like jujitsu they talk about it and it sounds like a cult sometimes you're like jesus man it's okay there's something outside of that but i understand it because there's community and there is a powerful ritual there because that process of going through it like the way you sweat the way you engage with your body the way it makes you feel it, change, it really changes your mindset from when you walk in to when you walk out. It's like a minor psychedelic experience in its own way. So I do get it. It's like it's a strong community effort and it's a ritual. Of course, people are going to be desperate for it in a culture where none of that stuff exists. It doesn't exist. Yeah. One time, I'll tell you this one, then we'll jump into the sauna interview and we get into all that. But like... I remember one time I, I had a sweat with this guy named Wallace Black Elk, who was an old Lakota guy. And he, at one point during the sweat, I started seeing this stuff that I was like, what the hell is this? Where you see these little lights, they look like fireflies that pop up in the darkness of the sweat. And they appear and they disappear and they appear and they disappear and they move around a little and then they are gone. Actually in your vision? Or? Yeah, yeah actually my vision and then i would be like hey did you see something in the lodge i'm like yeah there were the lights like firefly i'm like yeah yeah that thing and what i told you is all i know okay it's like little lights that pop up and disappear no idea why for the way well as Blackal could explain it or a lot of those guys it's like yeah that's when the spirits come that's how it looks when the spirits show up and you're like Take your word for it, because I have nothing to to contribute one way or another. It seems I, to make sense. But it was definitely trippy. It wow. was definitely one of the things where you're like, what did I just see there? And so, it was interesting, to say the least. Well, we can't top the spirit guides showing up. Definitely can't. So let's jump into a, a different way to use uh, heat, sweat. We'll chat about saunas today, which is something that... If you don't have access to sweat lodges, that's a great way to experience at least a little part of it. And you can make it your own family ritual in a different kind of way. So let's chat about that. All right, it's going to get hot. Okay, so here we go. Today with us, Mr. William Randall. William, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for having me. I look forward to the discussion today and maybe sharing some of the enlightenment I've discovered over the last few years with saunas and ice baths to help people out there that are you know, looking to make decisions and understand the, some of the health benefits. Perfect. I love that. I guess before I have a long list of beginners question because uh, my understanding of saunas is still rather primitive, but uh, I would uh, just to kind of get a little bit of the story of how you got into it. Uh, before we go into all the specifics, if you can give us a little bit of your particular story of how you ended up being so passionate about saunas and being so involved with it. Well, I think the best way to answer that is for all of us, I mean, life is an evolution and a process of events. 
mm-hmm. that shape our lives. And for anybody who grows, and I'm now in my 60s, um, the learning process never stops. So my background had been as a competitive athlete. Actually, kind of later in life, I ran um, at a pretty high competitive level in my 30s and 40s. Um, ran masters meets with some of the top runners in the world. Uh, Craig Virgin, two-time world cross-country champion, was my teammate. Steve Scott, former American mile record holder. And, um, you know, I was a slow poke in the group, but I had some fast company. So it, it nice. really helped me learn how to be a good runner. Um, fast forward from running. Um, I did cycling. I did a couple triathlons. And then I had a fairly serious bike accident going slowly. And I broke three ribs and punctured along, which partially collapsed. And I decided it was time maybe to take my intensity off the bike and find a safer way to go. And that led me into paddleboarding. And through paddleboarding, I met some elite athletes in that sport, um, you know, folks like uh, Kai Lenny, Laird Hamilton, Annabelle Anderson, t- some of the top people in the world, and um, started taking my pathway as I was getting older towards a point where, hey, I've got to preserve my body and not beat it up as much as I did when I was younger. So the things I didn't pay attention to, like sweating, rest sometimes, lower intensity, and ultimately the benefits of, you know, hot and cold, high heat saunas and ice baths evolved through actually a connection I had through Laird Hamilton's cousin, Chuck Glenn. So that kind of led me into the world of saunas at a time where I was basically retired and it became just an interest of mine, not even with the intent to become a business. That sounds fantastic. Because, yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing that people often forget when they are not doing sports at such a high intensity level is that we all think, you know, exercise, being active, sport, that's the greatest thing you can do for your health. But of course, there's a place that when you train past a certain point, it's diminishing returns. And if anything, you know, the, do- the body takes a lot of damage. Well, I remember it really stuck with me watching an interview with an NBA player, I believe it was Rick Fox, who was saying, uh, man, I look at the when the new guys come into the NBA in their first, second, and third year, I look at them with so much envy because they play pain-free. Whereas all the veterans were all like, everything is kept together with scotch tape because everything hurts, you know, because the reality is that while being active is fantastic for your body, uh, pushing past a certain limit, you also, there's a lot of wear and tear. And so figuring out how to take care of your body in a gentler kind of way seem extremely important. There's a, a point in your life as an athlete where you start shifting from having to do less recovery and, and your training more till you start seeing injuries pop up and yep. every sport's different. But once those injuries pop up, you end up spending more time in rehab in preparation. One of the things that finally turned me off is for running, I was looking at possible surgical intervention. And I said, you know, first of all, I'm not that good. And secondly, I don't want to get cut on. So how can I shift my focus to a different activity or sport? And that's just something that kind of comes with time and age and figuring out how far you want to go with a particular love or passion that you have. That makes perfect sense, absolutely. And in the case, uh, apply to the saunas, regardless whether you are a hardcore athlete to uh, kind of you beat up your own body a bit too much or whether you are just anybody, regardless of your fitness level, 
the point is the saunas have fantastic health benefits for just pretty much every single human being. So I guess let's jump into that. I've read a bunch on the the benefits of saunas, the health and all of that. Can you give me the lowdown? Because, of course, you know, my amateurish reading on the topic, I read good articles, I read bad articles, I can't tell the difference between the two, I don't know what's what. What's your current understanding of the science in terms of the benefits of saunas? You know, it's a great question because with, especially nowadays with the internet and, and so many new ideas uh, out in the marketplace, you have to kind of separate marketing from science. Absolutely. And, and I know we've talked a little bit about saunas, the different types, you have infrared, you have traditional, and I've done both. In fact, before I got in the business, before I had my own sauna, I did two months of very regular infrared saunas. And I would sit in there for 45 to 50 minutes before like a workout, you get to the point where you're starting to feel gassed. You've had enough and you're ready to get out. And that varies from person to person. But what I've found and discovered over the last few years, Danielle, is that most of the science on the health benefit, the hard science is based on traditional. And it's not to say that infrared doesn't have a benefit, but there's this magic temperature of 176 degrees Fahrenheit where a thing called heat shock proteins get generated. And heat shock proteins are basically like a stressor. It's just like working out under extreme heat where it boosts your human growth hormone. It lowers your blood glucose and insulin levels. Um, and the, the higher the temperature, the faster the impact and the more significant the impact. Um, and that is kind of what led me into the traditional realm. And ultimately, I became a dealer um, through some experiences I had with some of the real hardcore practitioners, you know, like uh, Laird Hamilton, his company, XPT, and, and some others, you know, in, in the industry. So um, I think the Infrareds have a lot of benefits. You sweat. And I think there's probably science that we have yet to learn about them. But the hard science, the couple thousands of years of people using traditional saunas is, is, is really where most of the solid health, health uh, science uh, and scientific back benefits exist. Beautiful. So in that sense, that kind of confirms some of the stuff I was reading where, yeah, infrared may be great, but it's harder to tell in terms of we have less information, we have less evidence than for traditional. For traditional, what are what would you say are the top benefits? What are the things that people can expect? Actually, the, I'm going to start with what I think universally is one of the best benefits. And I think for women, because, you know, women, whether they're moms or not, are just, they're just more alert and aware. And a lot of uh, the women friends I have struggle with sleep at night. Mm -hmm. And I think the number one benefit after a sauna session, especially, you know, in the evening, early evening, is a very, very deep um, sleep. So I think it is a great recipe for being able to avoid anywhere from melatonin to any other sort of doctor's prescribed sleep aid, I see sleep being as one of the biggest benefits. Another one for athletes and active people is recovery. It does stimulate human growth hormone uh, naturally, sort of akin to like they, they brought the example of EPO. A lot of the cyclists have 
blood dope using EPO. Well, the saunas do it sort of naturally. Mm-hmm. There's a synergistic effect, especially post-workout in increasing your human growth hormone based on the time you're in the sauna and the temperature that you're in there for. Uh, another benefit is lower blood glucose and insulin levels. Um, they've found that post-sauna use, it lowers your sensitivity to insulin and decreases your, your glucose levels, which has a lot of health benefits. People who are injured, it helps with injury recovery. It increases the blood flow to the injured joints or areas of the body. So those are a few that kind of jump out to me. Um, but again, I always put sleep at the top because that's kind of a universal human need is good, good, good night. Definitely. Sleep. That makes perfect sense. I had read, I think it was a Rhonda Patrick research that she was showing from, uh, actually it wasn't her research. She was reporting on some like Northern European, I believe Swedish research, something related to um, cancer rates among people who use saunas a whole lot. Does that ring a bell? Is that, yes, it yeah. does. There's been a lot of, re- there's been research on that. They're, ironically, in addition to that, they're actually using hypothermia, high heat right. to treat cancer. Uh, in conjunction with uh, sometimes with chemo and they're, they're seeing some initially some pretty positive results of that. So there are definitely lower incidences of of most cancers for people who have regular sauna exposure. So certainly as a longevity aid and health benefit, they kind of go hand in hand. What would you say when you say a regular sauna exposure? What's because I'm I'm imagining that just like what we are saying about sports, there probably is a thing as too much. <laughs> like if you are in the sauna for too long or too many times, what do you think? And I'm sure it varies person to person. But what do you think is the best in terms of getting the benefits without overdoing? I would say generally two to three times a week. You have to be careful with the heat. Uh, my particular sauna, we've gotten it up to two thirty, two forty, and at that temperature, and again, it's dry heat, yeah. and the bottom of the sauna on the floor is not as hot as the waist sure. up. But, you know, 15 minutes, most people are cooked. They got to get out. Yeah, and they can I'm get sure. out, you can take a cold shower, go back in. So two to three times a week, anything over 180 to, you know, 220 uh, for, you know, a couple sessions, um, you know, in, out, in, out, and then do it two, three times a week. That should be plenty for most people. Nice. If it's done post-workout, it's even better. Perfect. And how long would you say, like, what's the minimum length you think to get actual benefits? Because, uh, again, I remember reading something along the line. So it has to be over 20 minutes, like 20 to 30 is the sweet spot or something like that. But again, you have more experience. So I defer it to depends you. on the level of heat. Okay. If it's 220 degrees and you're in there 12 to 15 minutes, you're, you're getting tremendous benefit if you right. can stand it. And you do get conditioned to the sauna the more you do it. Right. The more your body acclimates and allows you to stay in. I have um, some friends here, you know, my property, and we're regular. We do sauna routines. In fact, one is Russian, which you can't see, but I'm actually wearing a sauna. Well, you can see it, but the viewers are wearing a sauna <laughs> right. hat because your skull gets, because heat is always up highest, yeah. the highest heat, highest in the sauna gets extremely hot. And if you overdo it, you can actually get a headache. So right. there's a, I guess what I would tell people is, Know your body, know when you're ready to get out. If you're doing a workout, you know when you're tired. And if you're getting to the point you're feeling overheated or extremely hot, step out of the sauna. It's kind of common sense. And what you don't want to do is to get into, though some people don't listen to this uh, logic, uh, don't turn it into a competitive event. It's not what it is. Right. I guess uh, I ask because, uh, you know, there's... uh... 
like knowing myself, there is a point where it's just laziness and there was a point where it's good listening to my own body, right? So for example, when I have a sauna, let's say I'm doing nothing crazy, but maybe 180, right? 180 Fahrenheit, that's about the good. The first 15 minutes, I feel great. I'm like, oh, this actually feels really good. 15 to 20 I feel less great. I do it, but I'm not enthusiastic. 20 to 25, I'm beginning to review my life's priorities and go like, I don't like this. What am I doing? So, you know, there's an element that if I want to stay in there for half hour or 25 minutes, I really need to push myself. But that's where I'm wondering is like, is it good pushing myself or I'm better served with the 15 minutes and out kind of thing? I think part of the answer to that is how you feel after you get out and the next day. Okay. I approach it again. I was a competitive athlete. So my approach is when I get to the point, I think I'm getting to the end. I try to do another three to five minutes. Okay. That makes sense. So I arbitrarily set a goal and I go, I'm out. Then I'll go and sit outside and I may sit outside for five minutes. I may dunk under, I've got an outdoor shower, rinse off, cool down, and then I'll go back in. And I may do another round. It might be 10 minutes, but it's, sure. it's basically listening to your body. Your body will tell you what you can and can't take. So there's no wrong or right. It's just don't, don't get competitive. Step out when you feel you need to step out. That makes sense. I guess I was getting a little too gung-go about like the studies that she, Rhonda Patrick, was quoting about. It has to be at least 20 minutes. It needs to be above one, eight, you know, that kind of stuff where I was like, otherwise you're not getting the full benefits kind of thing. And that's fine, but it's like saying, okay, well, you know, a world-class athlete, this is what you want to shoot for, but you don't get there overnight. You mm -hmm. get there over months. So I would tell you, I, I believe you'll become more comfortable the more often you do it, gotcha. but take baby steps. That's just the best way. It's just common sense from a health standpoint. Makes um, sense. If you overtrain, you get injured. If you're injured, you can't do it. If you get overheated and you get a headache, you're not going to want to get back into the sauna. So- just listen to your body. I think it's the best advice. That makes perfect sense. And so you're saying the goal in terms of temperature is somewhere above 175 and then anywhere, like find the sweet spot there. You can go a little more intense, less intense, but somewhere in that range, right? And it also depends on the sauna. We haven't gotten into the, the actual you know, performance aspects in sure. terms of putting them together, but there's a thing that in a traditional sauna called a heat sensor. There's one inside the heater and one you can place outside the heater. The lower you bring the sensor down in the sauna, the more the heat comes down. Right. As an example, there was one for an XPT event in Costa Rica. I didn't build the sauna. They put the heat sensor on the floor. Whoosh. <laughs> I could last five minutes and it was melting the plastic cups on the floor. Of course, Laird Hamilton, when I asked him how the heat was, he said, dude, it's nuclear with well, a big sure. grin on his face. So <laughs> that's clear. He lives in a different world than me. Right. <laughs> wow. That's intense. That sound rather intense. We mentioned Russians a little bit. How far back does this go? Because I know we were in Arkansas. They had all those spas down there in Little Rock from, I guess, the turn of the century, the turn of last century. Right. The heat was running up and back then. And I guess the Russians have been doing it for a couple hundred years? I mean, how far did, did some guy stumble in a cave that had a hot springs and off it went? I think you can probably go back yeah, many hundreds of years. I, I've got to think maybe the 1200s, they were doing having heat lodges. I don't think this is, I mean, how much, can't give you specifics, but yeah, we're talking hundreds of years of usage, certainly in, in Europe. And, and uh, you know, as far as I know that, you know, Native Americans did this too, and who knows how long they were doing it. 
Yeah, it seems very interesting how across the globe people seem to have figured out the same stuff because you do see that. You're absolutely right. You know, you see whether it's Native American ceremony, whether it's uh, more traditional saunas in Europe, whether it's like you do find this process of people figuring out that heating themselves and sweating something that people across the globe like a lot. Yeah, we just haven't had the science to back it up. We've had what I call testimonials and probably good examples in terms of longevity and things like that. But now with the studies Rhonda Patrick's done and others, we're showing the benefits of heat, um, heat shock and cold shock proteins and the effect it has on the body in terms of conditioning, which is no different than working out. It's a different form of exercise where you're not necessarily moving, but you're getting the benefits. Perfect. In terms of peaking saunas, uh, traditional, do you can you have them indoors or are they always outdoors? No, you can have them indoors. You, you can, can take an indoor sauna and put it outdoors and put a roof over it. Um, you okay. have a lot of different advantages. The typical outdoor saunas that most of my customers get are the barrels. And the advantage of the barrels is they have less surface area, so they heat up faster. Mm-hmm. So if you have a square sauna, it's going to take a little bit longer because there's more you know, cubic feet in there that have to get hot. You can use, some people put them in their garages, some people put them outdoors. Um, You have a lot of different choices, but the barrels are probably the most popular one for outdoor applications. The barrel, you feel like you're stepping into some uh, hobbit hole somewhere where you're going in Bilbo Baggins' house or something. It's (laughs) awesome. They are... And you're facing people. You're close together. There's a social aspect to the barrel, which I really like as well. No, it's beautiful. They are even just, uh, I mean, when I walk outside in the garden and I see the sauna, I just get happy. It's like it looks good. It's one of the things that is like it's a beautiful object, that purely as an object, let alone then for the use of it. So it's... It's kind of a happy, hot place. It really is. It really is. <laughs> so in terms of like somebody who's looking into getting saunas, what can they expect? Like what are they looking for? What are like things that you want to have in a sauna, things that are redundant, things, you know, all of that. Well, there's a lot of different add-ons, but the beauty about saunas to me is the simplicity. You have really Mm -hmm. two things. You've got your wood, your barrel, which normally I I recommend cedar, but you can get it in Douglas fir. And so you have the smell of the cedar and then you have the heater. And then you have, um, I usually include that there's a kit with a a water bucket, ladle, uh, sand timers, you know how long you're in there, and um, a thermometer gauge. And a thermometer hydrometer is absolutely essential, so you know what heat it's at, right. so you can judge your time and your and your you know your staying your staying time inside the sauna at, at particular temperatures. The three aspects I think that you have to consider: number one is before anybody uh, I sell them a sauna, I said get electrical estimate mm-hmm. because. If you're going to run cable a long way, and if your panel's not upgraded to, say, a 200-watt panel, you may have to upgrade that. And that can end up costing $1,000, $1,500. So I don't want people to, to go, well, I didn't, didn't, I didn't know that. I go, get your electrical figured out. Yeah. I've got a couple of questions I referred. Get that done. And you know, we, we can agree on a sauna, but let's wait until you know what that is. Then the sauna is ordered. Um, the components outside of the heater, like I said, there's different choices in benches, um, backrests, there's the add-ons. You can get essential oils, which you can add to the water, poured over the coils, straight oil, but it, the water you can. Uh, they have a salt wall that adds some additional sodium, which is a, another option. You know, windows, different doors, things like that. 
Um, so you can customize it to a great degree. Sweet. And yeah, I think the point that you brought up about the electricity is important because people just think, oh, sauna, that's it. But no, there's a whole... Uh, uh, like you do need a dedicated circuit, you do need uh, to, uh, and in case, you know, if the your electrical box is on the other side of the yard, you have to dig to bring the electricity over there. So it's work, definitely. So that's kind of part of the cost to, to think of it, not just the price of the sauna itself. Right. In terms of costs, what do you think, like just to give people a vague sense from like very low end to high end? And we're talking now 2021, so I'm sure if you listen five years from now, they may be different, but... Yeah, lumber prices keep going up. Yeah. It could be every three months you're going to see cost increases right now. But generally, I tell people you're probably going to be between four and $10,000. That's and, and 10 is high, mm -hmm. but if you want something really custom, you, maybe you want one of the really large barrels, or they're seven feet by eight or 10. Um, you're going to get up in that range. So four to 10 is kind of the realm that I, I share with people. Occasionally you can get them a little under four, but it's like a one person. And I tell anybody who gets a sauna, at least get a two person sauna. Sure. I, I just, unless, unless you have no, no space. Yeah. Unless you hate people. Yes. That's a good <laughs> thing to, to have, to have that option to share it with somebody you like. You can get it when I'm done. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's also potentially Danielle, if, you're really hardcore and you're in there by yourself, you might overdo it. And if yeah. you have somebody with you, they can keep an eye on you. So that's there is a slight safety advantage to sharing the experience with somebody. Definitely. That seems to help quite a bit. So in terms of the other coasts, so let's say you have the sauna, it's set up. Approximately, how much would you say uh, people can expect to add to their electric bills? Here's the simple math on that. You're going to yes. get a heater and the heater is going to be like a four kilowatt or six kilowatt or eight kilowatt. Mm -hmm. So you take an eight, let's take an eight kilowatt heater, which is usually in the larger barrel saunas. Then you look at what your electrical cost is that time of day. And that could vary from 30 cents a kilowatt hour to maybe 60 cents a kilowatt hour. So you take the 30 times the eight. And if you run it for an hour, that's about two and a half dollars. Okay. It heats up over 30 minutes. You use it for 30 minutes. You're looking at usually somewhere between three and five bucks an hour to run it. So that seemed like the very reasonable end where even if you run it three times a week, you're still talking about a fairly small amount of money every month. Exactly. And to... unlike a, a hot tub, which is even if you can turn the temperature down a hot tub, but it's on all the time. Sure. So constantly using energy and, and a lot of hot tubs are 110 or 115. They're not as efficient. So um, certainly don't get as hot. So, mm -hmm. and they're also a lot less maintenance. There's very little maintenance on a sauna. Um, you can wipe it water and vinegar, water and baking soda, vacuum it occasionally. And if it gets, a, sometimes the wood up above gets a little bit singed by all the heat, you can lightly sand it. Really, that's the maintenance is, that's really all you have to do, which is kind of nice. Okay, so that's interesting. So you're saying just once in a while, whatever seems appropriate, just do some of that with baking soda or vinegar, kind of a general cleanup of the sauna. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got slats in the wood, sometimes on the floor, if it gets a little gunky, I'll scrub in there real well and then take my shop back and clean it out and then slightly sand the benches once in a blue moon. If you get a lot of use, I do a lot of sessions with, you know, six to 12 people. So every oh, wow. week I try to do a, a light clean, at least, if not more a deeper clean every couple of weeks or months. 
that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And I guess the difference between the light clean and the deep clean for people who are thinking about maintenance is uh, like, do you use different kind of products or do you just spend more time scrubbing or what? Well, I think a lot of it has to be has to do with usage. If you get one for your home and it's you and your your wife, girlfriend, or if you've got a couple, two, three people in there, it's not going to get as much use. Of course. When we're running our hot and cold sessions, we're running six 12, even up to 18 people in three or four rounds, it's getting heavy use. You're getting a of lot course. of sweating. So that really kind of requires once a week, at least vacuuming and doing a light cleaning and then a heavy cleaning with, I have a steam cleaner sometimes I'll use on the floor as well, but it really depends. Most people, you know, once or twice a month is fine. Sound great. Excellent. Yep. Speaking of which, your, uh, your website for people who want to check it out for the saunas? Yeah, it's saunasusa.com. But most importantly on my site is I don't have a lot. I don't have all the saunas on my site. Um, I, what I do have is a lot of these studies on the health benefits. So what I always tell people, go there, look at the prices. They're MSRP. Um, but I can usually get people really good discounts off my prices or the manufacturers. Um, and if I'm not the cheapest out there, hopefully the added benefits I provide um, make it a value proposition. And once you start working with me, you have me basically till the end. And after you buy it, if you have problems, you have every right and uh, ability to call me up to let me help you if you have issues. And we also do installations if people need to. The, these can be done on your own, but um, we're happy to install them for you. And then, you know, then you can scream at us, us if there's any problems. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, because again, that depends on your level of handiness, right? If you are not super handy, it can be a task to put it together. But If people want to buy it, I'm more than happy to give them some advice over the phone. We have some videos we can share. So, you know, they're, they're, there's different ways to put them together. Nice. I was wondering if you dabbled in float tanks at all. You know, it's funny. I've got a friend. I've not done one. There's something a little seemingly claustrophobic to me about the small <laughs> ones, but I have a friend of mine who has a giant one and I didn't have a chance to do it. I think they're great. I mean, I, I love the concept. I do have an acrylic tub we use for ice baths when we do our contrast therapy that are fairly light, fairly well insulated and make for a very kind of, um, you know, it's when you've got somebody in there, you're dumping ice on them. It's very tactile. In fact, uh, I know, Dan, you'd asked me some questions earlier about cryotherapy versus the ice baths. I'm, I'm happy to weigh in on that subject as well. Yeah, by all means, do tell. Because, yeah, you do. You are interested in both, you know, both going uh, heating the body and really cooling down the body, which in some ways really goes back to that uh, Northern European hop in the sauna, cook yourself and dive in the snow kind of thing. It's really amazing. And I'm going to start by saying I do not. I've never enjoyed extreme heat or, or cold. I, right. I'm very thin. I get cold really fast. I have, you know, feet that don't like the cold. And I, for me as a, a lifelong athlete, being able to withstand a three to five minute ice bath is one of my more proudest moments because it's tough. And I've learned a lot in the process. But in the short, cryotherapy is wonderful too. But cryotherapy gets uncomfortable the last 30 seconds or usually three minutes in, in a cryo chamber. 
In ice bath, your body goes into shock at 15 seconds. So it's just the opposite. So it's getting a person through that first minute. And if you can survive the first minute, I can get you to three. And then the second round, you mentally have it, what you need to do. And and I find people after the first round, they have no problem uh, being able to handle three minutes. Well, actually, then I'm going to ask you a question because I had a very funny... Well, I don't know if fun is the correct word, but I had an interesting experience with ice baths because a friend of mine was um, is a Wim Hof instructor, as all that stuff. So they invited, you know, there were, let's see, one, two, three, four, there were six of us. Okay. And so she goes in and she's like a monk, right? She goes into the ice bath, doesn't even look like, not even a second of twinging or going like, ah, you know, completely relaxed. And I'm like, Wow. My girlfriend does the same. Like the other three people are going in and they look clearly uncomfortable at first, but they breathe through it and, you know, 30 seconds in, they are good and they stay with it. And I'm like, so my mindset is like, oh, okay, this doesn't look so bad. This should be good. I'm I'm ready to roll. Let's do this. I go in and the shock factor you describe happens right away. And I feel every muscle in my body like clamping down and, uh, and, you know, I figure, okay, I'll breathe and I'll eventually it's got to go away. And I just hyperventilate for two minutes nonstop. I never goes away. And by the time I get out, I feel like my muscle tightens so much that even talking was difficult. I was like, oh, my God, I feel it even in my throat kind of feeling. So I was not having the greatest experience ever. Uh, I would love to get your feedback. Did you get any, did they do any breath work with you before you got into the ice? It was a little, my guess is that it was too long before because we did like a yoga breath work section, but it was like two hours earlier or something. Um, because I'm going to, you know, a shout out to Laird and Gabby um, that led the XPT event that I went to. We did about an hour of breath work. And what I did mentally when I got in the first time I had a guy next to me was I broke down the three minutes into 12 sets. So what I did is I breathed in through my nose for five seconds, held it for two and exhaled for about what, whatever was left set three seven, or right. seven. Yeah. And I counted down the sets. So that helped me immensely. And then I later on started learning that the first thing that drove me crazy were my feet and how cold and stingy they were. So I'd keep my hands out. And when the feet got to the point where I could barely stand it, I'd put my hands in. And I guarantee you, you forget about your heat. (laughs) I see. Because you trick yourself that way because your attention shifts. I see. You have to. Don't get me wrong. Your experience, I've seen seen people get in the ice bath and shake for three minutes. And you, you have to do the opposite. You, the one thing you need to do is get as still as you can, as quickly as you can, and just slow down your breathing. And I walk people through it a lot, and I'm far from being an expert on this, but for somebody who hates cold, um, you know, I get it. It, it. It's not fun. There's nothing about it that's fun. Yeah, it felt very overpowering, you know, like when in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm going to work through my breathing. That there was no work through my breathing. I was just like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because I've had um, a few people and these guys were really strong guys and their methodology and success with weight is to push through it. Yeah. Up and the more I push, I can do it. You have to do the opposite in ice. You have to succumb to it. 
I and see. people like that, if you're a control freak, you're going to have a hard time. That's why. Okay, now you explained uh, it. That's because I am a control freak. So, through. yes, that's... Okay, that explains it. Probably everybody else was less control freak than me, and that made it... Okay, that's interesting then. Then it becomes uh, an interesting test of where I'm at mentally. That's a cool one. A couple things I'll mention real quick uh, before I forget is... Sure. Uh, sauna hats help keep your, your head you know, covered and protected a bit. Um, my, my Russian tenants uh, use whisk and the whisks you can use to, to move the hot air around. If you pour water in the coals and you add the humidity and then you turn off the heater, that incredibly hot steam drops I see. and it will take your breath away. So those are different things you can do when you're in the sauna. There's also sometimes you use the whisk, their birch or their cedar and you can, you can strike one another on the back, which stimulates lymph, um, lymph flow in your body. Um, you can add the essential oils to the water and dribble that on the coals to get this uh, lavender or uh, uh, eucalyptus. Those are other options in the sauna, which just add to the experience too. That sounds fantastic. That sounds like good things that you can do to mix it up. Cool. Anything else you want to add? I think that covers it. I just, I would, I would kind of end it with, with, if you decide to move forward with the sauna, you know, I'm certainly willing to give advice if nothing else. And number two, do what's comfortable and realize it's like any type of training. The more you do it, the more you acclimate it to it, be it ice baths or saunas. You know, if you add it into your lifestyle, I really think it'll change and improve your health. Um, you know, relatively quickly and you'll really fall in love with it on a regular basis. I love that. That sounds fantastic. Cool, my man. Thank you so much. I'll make sure to include the links to your website in the episode notes. Perfect. And Danielle, I would love to get you down here for one of our contrast therapies so we can get you through that three-minute ice bath. The three-minute okay? ice bath. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. So like, I'll try to work on my control freak self to let go of that a little bit. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll have to put one of my tubs in the back of my SUV and drive up to your place. That's oh. probably more complicated. So I think me making my way to you may be easier. But Keep, keeping ice in Ojai in the summer would be the complicated. Part. Yeah, that would be like 111. Yeah, it would be about 100 degrees in three minutes, right? <laughs> well, that's it. That's where the ice bath comes in handy then, because when you get to the extreme heat, I will tell you this. People used to be going, they'd sit in the sauna and they were warm. I got, okay, is it my turn to get in the ice bath? Now it's, can I get in? Can I get in? <laughs> yeah, I bet. Because it's like, you're so cooked that you're like, okay, I'm ready for it. Cool me down for sure. Exactly. Well, I appreciate the time today. And uh, thanks again for putting this together. And I hope our communication continues. And I'm always at, at you know, back, your beck and call if you need any help or support. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you for the chat. Great. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Have a great one, Bill. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care, guys. The funky music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. I feel like sweating right now. Right. But the weather does not not helping us. It's too lovely. You can go into the sauna and take care of business uh, right there. I'm going to go move boxes. Is what I'm gonna that do. would get you sweaty. That it's should awesome. work. Yeah. The garden's going like crazy. 
I forgot, we haven't been saying this. We should give props to Daisy House for the intro music to the Drunken Taoist. We haven't done it in a while, so thank you guys so much for letting us use it. And then, uh, having said that, I think we wrap it. Let the good folks go about their day and uh, wish them a good one. Yeah, be safe, everybody. Sweet. B-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at D-Bolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo cazzo, in questo caso, le provvidenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, yeah? Oh, man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. Completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're right? outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's so. Let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me. Can you about, translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought. <coughs> sorry. Well. <coughs> We'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's a bit too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. Wow!